0: Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I am the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. Today, I have a very special guest on the show. I have Jonathan Schneider, my buddy, my brother from another mother. Jonathan is a uh, he's a Mayapac guy. He's a local business owner because of very crazy odd regulations, business regulations, I can't mention the name of his business because of, I guess, the industry he's in. So anyway, I'll just say he's a great guy, overall good guy. John, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so today... We should... <laughs> Hold on <again>. The industry
1: <laughs> thing, that is because my I think I have the most strict compliance department ever, but it's fine because I'm happy with them making sure that no matter what I do, I'm covered. In fact, they're like, now I should be separating out completely the two businesses. So I have a second website that we're going to get started with, but I have to figure out how do I now legally separate it? So this is something totally aside from it. But you know what? It's the world of government that really continues to evolve. So compliance, I think, revolves around legislation, which comes from our government. So in turn, I think it's really just making sure that we're doing everything we can to keeping compliance by delineating responsibilities of the individual roles that I take under the umbrellas of the different companies that I work for. It's really okay.
0: strange, but... So I have a question a- for you. Then. Okay. My question <laughs> for you is this. How do you feel that I belong to the most unregulated industry in America? Being what? The underground
1: narcotics industry? What, uh, what industry is this that you speak of? Most unregulated? I'm talking about the media business. Oh, I mean, this is... it's it's protected by the first amendment it's actually the only constitutional amendment above the right to bear arms when you really think about it it's included with religion assembly
0: yep and, and what's the other one press. And uh
1: right press religion assembly and then i thought there was a fourth part of it that was like a big yeah part
0: oh now i have to look it up on google hold on a second the first amendment all right says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the Right. right of the people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Okay, so I guess petition the government.
1: When you really look at what the Constitution is broken down into its most basic forms, it seems like it was such a advanced concept for people who were really in like their 20s and early 30s, I think, majority of them
0: were the yeah. ones who wrote that at the now, time. Now, are you aware that back in the day, back like in the 1700s, the press, it was actually a partisan press. If you look at like a lot of historical community newspapers throughout the United States, a lot of them will have the word Democrat as part of the title or Republican whatever. And this is because back in the day, there actually were Democrat newspapers, Republican newspapers, and it was really A lot of community papers, actually, I mean, they're over 100 years old, you know, if you look at papers throughout the country, if you look at when newspapers stopped doing that and tried to become objective, that was sometime in the 20th century. That's actually a fairly relatively new phenomenon.
1: I always feel like, and I don't remember when I was a kid growing up, but I always feel like I heard my father talk about. Walter Cronkite, and this is the nightly news. And it was really just about a unbiased projection of what was happening in the world at the time, trying to be as unopinionated as could be, while just delivering facts. But Going back to what yeah. you said, though, at least yep. at that point, they were open about, hey, here is what we do and here's our opinion and here's who we side with. We are officially a democratically recognized publication or we We want to be Republican recognized or we want to be this third party recognized publication. But at least they were open about it. And have you seen the know. show
0: TV show Turn?
1: That is the one with the spy network of George Washington. Is that right? You turned me on to that. I watched that whole thing. That was a really interesting, and I loved it because it really gave information about things that were historically only known by like a number like spy number, whatever it may have been. And there's very little background. But I think, I don't know, is it all factual or is there a lot of Hollywood that's put in?
0: I know it's based on a book about the spy ring. What I found, I think, most fascinating about that show is that there was a respect, almost in the industry in a sense, where the British... Soldiers who acted nobly and the American soldiers who acted nobly, they both respected one another. And same thing with kind of the spy network among the British and the spy network among the Americans. There was just kind of a mutual respect and also kind of a mutual disdain, I thought was very interesting against Benedict Arnold because, you know, he turned for really kind of the selfish reasons, according to this television show.
1: You know, it's one of those situations where you think how. Crazy the situation must have been where you literally had brothers who were torn. Am I for this independent nation that we're going to try to make? Or am I really for this colonization that we were really brought here to do from Britain? I think it's a bad situation, right? I mean, historically, if that's accurate, like he's injured on the battlefield. He's not approved for commissions on certain privileges that you would expect with commissions. And he felt humiliated. Oh, and slighted and, you know, it kind of stinks. But at the same time, you like gave up, you gave up your soldiers. You don't do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so going back to that show, though, they had um, a partisan press. I mean, they basically made the point there were newspapers that were known as, I guess, the Patriot newspapers and newspapers known as the Tory newspapers. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And it was kind of interesting that within that newspaper, they were putting all these codes to help out the Patriots. Right.
1: And that was the same newspaper in the end that I think when they realized that the British were no longer going to be the power that was in the city. They basically turned to Washington and the new control and said, like, hey, we're here and we're here to print for what you want to print. Because in the end, it really comes down to money. Most of the time, that's what it seems to come down to.
0: Um, Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it comes down to money. I think there's ethics involved. Let me put it this way. Within our own newspapers, look, we just had an election. Your town was a big election where we had a big town board race and, you know, both sides a lot of advertising with us. The very final week, the night of the election, the Your Town Republican Party had a video that they had posted on their Facebook page where someone was overheard saying a racial epithet. And we actually did a story on that. We actually broke that story. It came out, the Journal News. The Journal News actually Cited us as breaking that story. Our editor Brian Marshall did a fantastic job uncovering that. But I would say, look, I think you know I'm a conservative. You know, I haven't hidden that, and um, I think our newspapers did the right thing. You know, our newspaper did the right thing by uncovering what I thought was pretty reprehensible behavior by a, a Republican district leader. I definitely
1: read that. I think that it, things like that are definitely past their point in time, where they're a means that should be communicated, but. Unfortunately, there's history where it's been effective. I think there's other countries where it's still effective. There may even be parts of this country where it's effective, but yeah, I don't think around here. And you guys definitely showed it. It seems like the organization did the appropriate thing. I think apologies were pretty much immediately made, but in the end, it's unfortunate. I think it, a lot of it just comes down to sometimes there's going to be individuals that you know just have to be of course for
0: their individual I- actions. And you guys did a great job of it. And I'll agree with you. I think there are bad individuals on both sides of the aisle.
1: I wouldn't even say bad individuals. There are individuals that maybe have bad discretion at points Correct. in
0: time. Correct. I mean, look, human beings are complicated people. You know, I wouldn't say any we all make fault. We all make errors. We all. Yeah. Have. Nobody's all bad and all good. I recognize that. And I do believe, you know, look, as a Christian, I believe that people deserve forgiveness and grace without a doubt. So, you know, maybe I'll walk back my statement a little bit. What I will say is that when President Trump was running for president, he was, I think, unfairly. I guess the media went after him saying, well, these people are supporting you and vote for you. Do you disavow these people? Do you disavow these people? And every time they interviewed him, do you disavow these people? Do you disavow these people? And Trump, of course, was saying like, yes, of course I disavow these people. But he was getting frustrated by it. And meanwhile, there are anti-Semites who vote Democrat, you know, and you didn't have the press going after Biden. Do you disavow every anti-Semite? Do you disavow every anti-Semite? So I think it's unfair to tarnish a political party or a politician based on every single voter that supports him. Oh, absolutely.
1: Unfortunately, that's where, when you talked about, you know, there's still integrity in the media. I question that. Maybe not at certain levels, but I think in general, With what we do have with freedom of press, like you had originally going back to the discussion we started with, with regulation from the government. You're the most unregulated part, which isn't, you know, it's not such a bad thing. But at least if I think it was Mark Cuban who made the recommendation, like any news piece that's being narrated with opinion should at least have that disclaimer
0: somewhere across it. Like this is an opinion piece. And yeah, the only problem with that, look, I think that there's bias through omission. I mean, if you look at the New York Times, it's a very liberal newspaper. I don't think anyone could possibly deny that. I mean, I think right now, I mean, maybe 10 years ago, I, I would say maybe that newspaper itself would deny it 10 years ago. I think today, I think they're just open about it. But the fact is, you know, by choosing what you put on your front page versus what you bury inside the paper, that's a bias. I mean, you can't hide your worldview. It's impossible. Completely impossible to hide your worldview. So then how do you label something as opinion versus fact? And actually, part of this episode, just to let our listeners know, we launched into all sorts of different tangents here, but we were going to talk about Kyle Rittenhouse and um, PolitiFact. They kept up. They apparently labeled a Facebook post. And I was going to read a um, portion of that story. So we'll get into that. Let, I want to start with this. John... And
1: I tell you what I don't know. I don't know anything about PolitiFact and I don't follow Facebook. So if it's something that's on there, typically what I'm going to do, I only get it from people who send it to me, but I'm going to research it to see if it's factual.
0: Correct. Who's fact-checking the (laughs) (laughs) fact-checker? Say that 10 times fast. (sighs) I couldn't even say it one time fast right now. (laughs) <laughs> anyway so we're recording this episode on tuesday november 16th this evening right, so i think give have a status on this so right so, now the
1: is where the defense rests the prosecution rests
0: the case rests friday the jury the, uh, started deliberation today and from some commentary i heard today normally it takes a jury a few hours and they actually did not reach a verdict today. They are, I think, meeting back up tomorrow. So again, we're recording this November 16th. This is coming out the week of Thanksgiving, November 23rd. So presumably there's going to be a verdict by the time everyone's listening to this episode. That's why I'm kind of couching that into this conversation.
1: So this isn't something that I followed a lot of at all, but I have definitely read news stories because it's made national headlines repeatedly in regards to the situation that this 17 year old placed himself into where two people lost their lives and one person lost part of their arm, apparently.
0: First of all, before we get into the facts of the case and our opinions about it, I want to get your prediction, you know, because again, we don't have a verdict yet, but I want to know if you have a prediction.
1: A prediction of
0: the Super Bowl? Of
1: the verdict? The verdict of this case. Yeah. The verdict of this case. I'm going to give you the detailed description of why I think that this is going to happen. I'm going to be sitting there as a juror right now. Yep. Not going to be including anything like what song played on the judge's phone when we were sitting there in the courtroom. What I'm going to go over is I'm going to. Was it
0: really "God Bless the USA"? By uh, was this? I didn't see any video.
1: Yeah, so apparently that song was recorded in 1983, released in 1984, and it is tied to Trumpsters. So this is what I've read. Unfortunately, I think I probably read a half dozen articles about how this judge is so biased that he even had a Trump song play on his phone during the case. Now, I will say from the observation, this judge definitely has his opinions in regards to the case already, and he has done what he could as a judge to put his restrictions and guidelines in place to let people know what he believes the laws are surrounding this. I think he's already made up his mind what this one is.
0: Look, I think it's in the hands of the jury. I think the the calls he made a hundred percent is the judge is biased about how. Yeah, I would definitely say it seems like he's biased. I mean, the prosecution, uh, I think they did some things. I know the judge was angry about because he had privately I think before any case, I mean, forget about Kyle Rittenhouse, before any case, I think a judge can determine what line of questioning you're allowed to pursue. And the prosecution ignored his instructions, and they ignored his instructions, and he did that in front of the jury, which taints the jury, and he stopped the trial. I actually forget the exact detail during this conversation right now, but I do know like, you should follow the judge's instructions for sure.
1: I agree. hundred. Yeah, I think a judge gives the instructions. You should definitely follow it. You are a bad client or especially bad attorney, probably, if you don't follow a judge's instructions, I would think. I'll get to the prosecution next. First, I'm going to talk about the judge. From what he said right off the bat is you can't label these three adults who were shot with firearm at close range. You can't call them victims. You can call them rioters. You can call them protesters. I think he said you could call them looters but you cannot call them victims in this case. Correct, so, now, so that's bias. that's bias. sure. Well, well, you know what? Is it biased because they are in the acts of rioting, they are in the acts of looting when they put all of the video collaborative data together. There were a lot of things that seemed to paint these pictures that the judge now says, this is how I'm seeing it right now.
0: And by so way, the way, the three that- people shot by Rittenhouse, they were not good people. One like raped a child, I think another person like hit his grandmother, you know, so these were not good people. I'm
1: going to bring up something completely separate, but this is, you know, it's still relating. George Floyd, from what I understand, he had a rap sheet that was pretty long. Some people would say he's not a good person. That doesn't mean that he should have died that day. There was a bad cop that made a bad decision and had bad pressure. But I 100% agree with you.
0: Bad people shouldn't die because people do stupid Correct, correct I think there's a difference between being a police officer, putting your knee on someone's neck versus defending yourself and thinking that you are going to. I'm talking about something totally. I'm going back to that judge.
1: So the judge, he's put his feelings into what the jury is going to see here. He's allowed things to be done that I think definitely paint a picture of. He's going to say if he was one of those jurors. And he doesn't have a say because he's the judge, right? He just has to keep law and order. He's saying that it's self-defense because I think that there was a charge that was already thrown out And the charge that really, yep. because he was 17 years old and he had a, the AR-15 style weapon that he was carrying. But I guess the law in the state allows him to carry something like a long barreled rifle over 16 inches. So he was conforming to the law.
0: Correct not yep. get him for anything on that. So he said, we got to dismiss that charge. It's not even, it's it's it not baff- baffles me because how in the world could the prosecution, they're the ones who are charging him and, you know, how did they get him indicted? I mean, how in the world do you get someone indicted on a law that the judge dismissed and said, you know, he never broke the law. I mean, it was so clear and obvious he didn't break that law.
1: Well, I guess it's more of the paperwork that they do. So they already have Well, he shot and killed two people and shot a third person. We have to at least investigate. And now, because I think that the investigation is there, you know what? Let's get to the reason why did this happen? Unfortunately, I think that's part of it is there are a lot of people who had bad discretion. I feel bad. Again, there's two people that died, whether they're good people or bad people, they died. And another person, he got his arm shot up. But in the end, I think the jury is going to look at it and say, hey, prosecutors, you guys did a horrible job. You guys really didn't do anything to show that this guy was an aggressor other than saying he walked around with a rifle. Well, there was a a ton of other people out there walking around with rifles who didn't have, I guess there was video evidence of the first shooting victim who had a gunshot and you saw a muzzle flare in the background of the direction. Apparently, oh, this was another thing. Yeah. So they didn't even get to the point where like, I think the defense said or the judge even allowed it to be admitted that they could consider the first person an ambusher because when Rittenhouse was walking towards where the shooting occurred, the person was hiding behind a car, made a quick exit out from him. And apparently that's when a gunshot went off again. I haven't seen it all. But just from the things that I've read and the short excerpts that I think the majority of Americans would have been seeing if they're actually seeing as much things as I am. It's going to be a self-defense thing, and it's unfortunate. Let me ask you a
0: question. Let's let's just be honest. Would this case even have come to trial? Would he have been arrested and indicted, charged with these crimes if Rittenhouse was a known Biden voter and he was fighting on behalf of Black Lives Matter? Let's be honest. I don't think we can just go with the known Biden voter.
1: But okay, here's the thing. On behalf of Black Lives Matter, like it's difficult. You just listened to our recently elected New York City mayor say, "I'm bringing back plain clothes because plain clothes works." But we're going to have to reform it, and I think that that's the appropriate. And he was threatened. He was threatened by Black Lives Matter. The thing is, is now the Black Lives Matter side could say, we didn't threaten anything. All that we did was say that there are going to be unfortunate repercussions that are uncontrollable because for every reaction, there's a reaction. I don't believe that violence is the reaction. But you know what? Violence, unfortunately, is sometimes the way that everything happens. Go back. So
0: that's not a threat and we shouldn't prosecute that. But our Department of Justice is going after parents for going to school board meetings who are critical race theory, and they're okay. being labeled as domestic terrorists. I think it's ridiculous, especially when I think, hold on, is it the guy's
1: son-in-law has like a huge company that provides critical race theory? Yes. Yep. to? Yep. So, yep. okay, so I don't know. Let's talk about that another time. Let me do more research.
0: That. But my point is, you can see the priorities of this administration. Um, the priorities of, frankly the two political parties, by who they choose to prosecute. Apparently it's, they've put all the resources out to prosecute anyone who is even trespassing on January 6th. But yeah, sorry, go on. I think, I I'm on my high have, horse
1: now. No, no, no. I, I, we have so many tangents that we just went on there. <laughs> so number one, I think that Black Lives Matter, when we talk about that, I think as a movement of a concept of recognition, I think it's a very important social aspect that everyone should be able to address openly and honestly. And I think, unfortunately, racism will continue to come down to an individual ideology. And I think that until we can conquer that to so many individuals losing that and not passing it on further generations, then the better off we'll be doing that.
0: I will say this about Black Lives Matter on the local level. And Look, I published five newspapers on the local level. I will say that all the Black Lives Matter protests on the local level were very peaceful. They were mostly- And they've done food
1: drives that I donated to. They've done a lot of good things, and as they should, because I think discussion is the most important part. I think that's why I love what you do, is you can bring a discussion which is a good thing. You have a platform. And that's what we need is a discussion to be able to be open and honest, but not personal and not offensive, hopefully.
0: Correct. Correct. I will tell you this. I mean, I I had a conversation with my children about all these current events happening. And I don't personally support Black Lives Matter, the organization. I think the organization has, the national organization has a a checkered anti-Semitic past where they've been very anti-Israel. I think there's been a lot of violence on the national level, billions of dollars of damage. But you know, I had a conversation and I told my children, kids, I support Black Lives Matter, lowercase, lowercase. I don't support the organization, but I do believe that Black Lives Matter. I understood why people were offended by saying all lives matter. And the analogy I heard is when someone's house is burning, you don't say, well, all houses matter. You say, no, that one house that's burning, that house matters at that moment. So I get why people need to say Black Lives Matter. I don't support the socialist Marxist organization Black Lives Matter. I just don't. I
1: think as uh, as human beings, it is true that all lives matter. I agree. I think it's more about recognizing that there have been injustices. And I think that critical race theory is important to recognize those injustices, but I think it's also important to put it into context that racism is something, or at least something in regards to one race region, one ethnicity being superior to the other. It's existed in the human species since probably the beginning of time where we've tried to dominate one another based on our differences, which is wrong. What we should do is, I think, what America was founded on, being that melting pot, being able to assimilate yet appreciate and keep our individual cultures yet mesh into what is the supposed to be the beautiful net of freedom of America, which, again, I think is really just it's a lot of control by our government. Again, that goes back to the beginning of our conversation. Yep. I'm going to get back to Rittenhouse. Okay, oh, yeah, sorry. A- yeah, thank you. All right. you mind Well, though? Because you've mentioned Israel a few times. You've mentioned being Christian. What differentiates you as a Christian from you as what I understand from born-again Jews?
0: I am a Messianic Jew, John. I appreciate you asking me this. I know you know my background, but I'm glad you asked me so I can explain it. I'm a Messianic Jew. I'm a Jew who believes in Jesus. But I very much embrace my Jewish faith, my Jewish heritage. I'm a supporter of Israel. And I believe every Jew, regardless of what their faith will ultimately be, I think every American should read the New Testament. I think it's an important piece of literature at a minimum, it's an important piece of literature. I happen to believe it's sort of the rest of the story. Who's that radio guy who used to say, and this is the rest of the story. I think the Bible is kind of the, the second part of sort of the completion of the Torah, in a sense.
1: What do you think about the Quran then being the follow-up to that?
0: I've never read the Quran, but Muslims don't think that Muhammad was God or the son of God. They just thought he was a prophet.
1: No, but they do believe that Jesus was the son of God. I believe that they make mention.
0: Muslims don't believe that Jesus was the son of God. Muslims, Uh, I think, believe that Jesus was a prophet.
1: Okay, I thought that they believed that Mary had conceived through immaculate conception. I thought that was actually in the Quran. You know what? I cannot object to that. I do not know. I'm going to rewind back to you being a Masonic Jew. This is something you may not know about me. Now you said you're like, you're a brother from another mother and your mother is actually referred to as grandma from my ni- from my son. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we're very close. Now I am, was, I guess once I am, I always am, a third degree master Mason. I've been through the Masonic rituals. Okay. and um, I, I think wrote, I actually did know this. Okay. But for us, it was about having a belief yeah. in a higher being and a God as a... This is what the I, Masons
0: have to believe in something higher, you're Yes,
1: because I originally said like, hey, I don't
0: believe in Christ
1: and, uh, and I'm, I'm Jewish. And they were like, no, no, no. As long as you have a belief in a higher authority, a moral compass, then you are... And then we went through everything, of course. But now I think you're right. I think that in regards to reading the New Testament, I think it's important because it teaches more about... Forgiveness and humanity. And I think that it teaches good lessons that we can learn in how to try to guide ourselves, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit better in life, maybe just what the things that we could try to do in certain situations. But I think that that kind of goes across the board. I think we also need to hear from other people their thoughts on maybe the same readings, okay. you know, open ourselves up to other interpretations of things that have been written. But at the same time, knowing what our guidance is. Like myself, I was born and raised Jewish. I was bar mitzvahed. Then in the military, I kind of went to any religious meeting that I could on a Sunday because in boot camp, that was the only reason that you could get out of the barracks for the Marine Corps. So I went to all different ones. I I fell in love with like Southern Baptist. I remember you telling me that
0: you love their, um, you love their great.
1: I mean, the energy that you could get, but I think when it comes down to religion, like that's what it really is. Is like, you should feel an energy through That religion that makes you feel better, that makes you feel more in tune, that makes you want to be better and maybe help people be better. So, I think no matter what the religion is, I think that we all want to do the same thing. And I think that's really, to me, a more important guide is what do we think is fair? What do we think is more humane? And I think if you look at any individual movement, it should be like, what can we do to help? Like, someone showed me a video today of a, I don't know if it was real. Again, they just showed it to me. I didn't do my background research, but it was a commercial from Germany that had a mother talking to a child about how many millions of children and families need to be fed in America and how it's so disproportionate to that of Germany. And then they told me that the same thing's going on in China. They didn't show me the video, but they actually showed me the video from Germany. I don't understand. Interesting. But you know what? The thing is, it could have been a complete parody from like an SNL in Germany right this is a thing <laughs> I don't know until to do the research so I don't want to it out there but this is fine. right like this, this, this is, is so much misinformation i guess i'm like i once got an email from a veteran organization that i'm a member of that was filled with misinformation so i went back and i emailed them back and i was like look guys here is the fact check this is a video that was from 7 years ago it is nothing new please this lieutenant colonel did not pass this information around it's
0: so funny uh,
1: and then they came back and they were like, they at least let out to the entire organization that they're sorry that they put out misinformation, but like this is what we're fed with. It's like information overload, but it's not even factual information. There's so much stuff that we're being fed that unless you really look it up and you fact check it and you cross-reference and you, you have to do so much research, it's sad to try to find the truth. And I'm going to go back to what we originally started talking about and why you wanted to have this podcast, which was Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> yes, thank you for bringing Back to you. you might be a better host than me. You know what, Brett? Your mom, when her and I had a conversation the other, it was probably a couple weeks ago. She's such a beautiful person. I love her so much. She's amazing. She was like John. I think she's pretty good too. <laughs> you know what? You're lucky that she tolerates you. <laughs> uh, she said you and Brett make such a good team. You guys should do this. And then it was like a week or so later that you would talk to me about doing one like, and we were like, yeah, let's do it weekly. That sounds great. <laughs>
0: I know, then I I sort of dropped the ball there.
1: You know, it is what it is, no big deal. So when you called, you literally like texted me this morning saying like, dude, do you want to talk about Rittenhouse? And I'm thinking like, I've read a ton of stuff. I think I may be able to talk a little bit intelligently about what's going on. So let's go for it. So, okay, here we are. So now I'm going back to the prosecution. Prosecution, they did a horrible job. They did everything that they could to upset this judge. They did everything that they could to look foolish in front of the jury. They did everything that they could Other than try to say, oh, he wasn't pointing the gun at Kyle Rittenhouse when Kyle Rittenhouse fired and shot him with his weapon while he was laying on the ground. Meanwhile, there's video of it. And he's like, no, he pointed the gun at me. The witness who was the rioter who was shot says, yes, I pointed the weapon at him after he says, I didn't point the weapon at him. Like, unfortunately, it was a really difficult case to prosecute. But they made it much more difficult. And it seems like there was a lot of video evidence that points in the direction of self defense. I'm not going to say that the kid made good decisions because the kid's 17. I don't know what kind of military training he has, any paramilitary training he has, but he's 17. He's saying he's going out there to protect property and to provide medical care. Look, maybe go out there with a Red Cross and a medical kit, something. But do you
0: portray something? Aside from that, see that was the big criticism. That was the big criticism against him is, you know, should he have been there in the first place? That's not what the case is about. The case is about
1: this matter
0: of self-defense. Was
1: it stupid for him to be there? If I was his parent, I would say, thank God you're alive. You killed two people. Another person's dead. Thank God you're alive. But now. I got to pay up. You know what? There's a lot of people who donated money so that this kid could pay for
0: his attorney. People, by they lost their job. There's a, some police officer, I forget what state, who actually lost his job because he donated like $100 or whatever it was to Rittenhouse. There's so much politics behind this case, which is, you know, again, that's been my beef with all this. Is I think in the end, he's being prosecuted because of politics. You know, he was fighting against the wrong organization at the wrong time and history, and I mean, there's a little bit of mob justice and mob mentality here. But there's not really equal justice. I'm going to read a quote that Tucker Carlson, yes, I, I wrote this down today. I want to read All this right, to you. He said tonight, uh, this is uh, November 16th, he said, where is the governor he was under too much political pressure to protect his own people. Talk about cowardly. Blaming a 17-year-old who shows up because the city his dad lives in is on fire and he wants to do something. He shouldn't have been there in the first place. He shouldn't have had to. He shouldn't have had to have been there. The adults should have been there. They're the cowards. So the point is I mean, this is a kid who almost felt compelled. He felt powerless. I mean, I don't know if I saw my community on fire and the police weren't protecting the community and the local businesses. I don't know. I I would feel compelled to, you know, protect my fellow uh, colleagues in commerce
1: in a sense. I mean, as a local business owner, I love some of the opinions that Tucker Carlson puts forward. But Kyle lived
0: in Illinois and came into 20-minute drive, 20-minute drive, 20-minute drive. So how many of the BLM rioters came from another state? I mean, come on. I mean, okay, you want to discuss it. That's fine. Is it ridiculous that <laughs> they weren't all prosecutor?
1: hundred percent. Is it ridiculous that you have governors of states and mayors of cities that say police let this be an anti law zone. I think Seattle, right? Didn't they have barricaded areas of the city that were like, police don't come inside here? They really? had like
0: a sanctuary. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then like you the have these was like, like, oh, a, rioters a are the rioters of too. love.
1: I mean, it was crazy. Then you have now rioters coming in, destroying. Private property. And now you made a comparison, which I don't agree with. I don't think we should compare it to what happened on January 6th, because I don't care who did it on January 6th. That is my capital. That's the capital of you. And the Capitol building takes on more symbolism and more importance over, I think, any physical property, I think that was more an ideology of America being trampled on. Because to me, that is not what America ever should... You should not be breaching the walls and burning fire on the grounds of our Capitol building. I don't
0: disagree with you. I will say there were thousands of people at the Capitol building... And you know, outside the Capitol building, there have been people who have been arrested or investigated for simply being outside the building. There were also people who were let in. The police were actually holding the door open. There was many iterations of January sixth. I mean, it was it was yeah. it was, there a, are, it was there there many hours long.
1: The Capitol police have been reviewing what their protocol was because yeah. of situations just like
0: that. Yeah, but if someone if someone was let in again, the riot. The protest, riot, whatever you want to call it. I don't think it was insurrection. I I think it was a riot. It was many hours long. And there were people at different stages walking into the building. There were people who were violent against Capitol Police officers. Those people should be prosecuted. I believe there were also people who experienced violence from the Capitol Police officers who might have... Been fighting. I think there was some bad actors who caused the Capitol police officers to start reacting, and then those other people. I think it was. A little, I think the whole thing snowballed a little bit. I think there were people who belong in jail for what they did, but then there were people who were let in, and at most they were trespassing and some people were, didn't even know they were trespassing. And now you have people who were in solitary confinement in our nation's capital in the prison there. You know, I, I think some of this, I, I hate to say, are it, I think, that,
1: but are those people there for the simple trespassing or are they there because they're the ones that broke the windows, started the fires?
0: I think that there are some people who were nonviolent who are now in jail. And I would say they are in jail for participating in the riot that was opposed to today's administration. I am um,
1: glad that you just referred to it though as you referred to it, because initially you said I wouldn't call it a riot, but then you just called it a riot. No, I said, said, I
0: said I said wouldn't call it an insurrection. An insurrection is a plan. No, definitely not an insurrection
1: because it was most poorly strategized things yeah. ever, because it was done by again, people who may not be bad yeah. people, but they made really bad decisions. And that to me, again, it's a it not was. It still is a sacred ground. It's like being at you know, Arlington Cemetery and doing something to desecrate something there. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle
0: you fall on. I, I was an intern on Capitol Hill in college. I worked for uh, Congressman Chris Shays. He was a little bit like the John McCain of the House, you know, just kind of middle of the road. He was respected by the Democrats. So he's a very middle of the road Republican. So they had intern day at the White House. Where Capitol Hill interns got to walk around the White House. So, a friend of mine and I, another fellow intern and I, we started walking around the White House and like there was some door open and we went into, I, I don't even know where we went into, but we got in trouble from the Secret Service. They were like, actually, as I'm saying this now, I hope uh, the Statute of Limitations has, has run out for this, but um, the Secret Service got mad at us because we kind of wandered off the tour into part of the White House we shouldn't have been. What? tell us what you saw. I went. We, I no, walked, no, do not what you saw. Come on. I don't think there's a statute of limitations on that kind of stuff. No, no. I'll tell you what I saw. I, I walked into the office. I think it's technically like the East Wing. I was not in the West Wing. It was the East Wing. And I believe there's like a, a military attache that kind of follow where it is all the time. And I started walking towards like that area. And that's when the Secret Service like turned me around. It's like you don't belong here. And I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, officer. You know, whatever. I think I just got a little lost or whatever. And they literally they followed us that entire time all the way till when we left the White House. So uh, <laughs> it, w- it was not good. I did that. It was dumb. I was in my early 20s and very dumb. Yeah, but you got to at least see the White House. Yes, I did. I did. And actually, the reason I know that's not on my record is because after that. My buddy was working for Joe Lieberman's campaign when Joe Lieberman was running for vice president. And Joe Lieberman was going to be in Connecticut that day because that year he was also running for senator as well. He never actually dropped out of the Senate race. So he was running for both vice president and senator. So he was in Connecticut that day. And my buddy's like, hey, do you want to volunteer to drive in his motorcade? Because apparently they have volunteers to do that. So I actually drove the van that had his, like, pretty much senior staff in it. So I was like maybe a few cars like behind the principal, behind Lieberman. And um, I kept on getting in trouble that day. Well, first of all, the reason I know I didn't have a record for my little visit to the White House is because I had to like submit my social security number and they had to do a background check on me before I could volunteer for this thing. But... Um, I got in trouble that day because the chief service company yelling at me because I wasn't driving fast enough because I was terrified of causing a car accident and accidentally killing Joe Lieberman. So like, I was like, really, they were going like 80, 90 miles per hour on the highways. You know, the police cleared the highway for this motorcade. And like, I was terrified to go too fast. So uh, anyway. <laughs> <All> right. So, <laughs> <I'm Kenosha>. I'm the complete
1: opposite though. It's funny, you and I have talked about this being twins. Like, so you had this official capacity. So one of my many jobs in the military, was being a driver. And I can remember when we would go, and this was from where I was stationed in Garden City uh, for my reserve unit. And we would go out to like one of the forts for the army where we would do firing ranges out in Jersey. But I would be lead driver in the Humvee and I'd lose guys because I would drive like a lunatic. And they'd be on the radio. They'd be like, slow down, man. This is ridiculous. But you know what? It's effective when you're in the middle of shit, right? That's <laughs> So anyway. I wanted to I actually wanted to say something, though. You said in regards to the January 6th, I wouldn't call it an insurrection. I would say that there were parts of it where there were rioters. Now, you made mention of people getting sweeped with Black Lives Matter again. I'm going to go back to that because... At the initial movement, when they were having peaceful protests during the day, they were having white vans move in with government agents, apparently, and different undercover officers with no identification, like swooping in and taking people because they thought that they were doing things that were wrong the night before. So there's been, unfortunately, a lot of bad stuff that's been happening and a lot of bad judgment that's been being made for the past like few years now, especially now back to bad judgments, bad decisions. The prosecution has done a poor job. The defense, I think the defense did a great job to be able to get words like "your rioters. You can't use the word victims. Like the defense did a really, really good job of presenting this case to where I think it's, it's extremely compelling given what the What I've read, again, I didn't sit through all of the information, all the testimony. This kid was acting in self-defense and he truly feared for his life and he was not the aggressor and he's going to get off on self-defense charges. Maybe, you know, here's the thing, though. Why wouldn't he get off on like a simple thing like unlawful discharge of a firearm inside of a uh, city limits? Something silly that says you can't have a weapon in this state anymore. Now you're going to be on the ATF watch list. Like, I'm sure he's going to be anyway. I don't know. How I, think this whole he's, thing works.
0: I, I think he's going to be. I actually saw a meme before we started discussing this. tonight. I saw a meme where the judge says, hey, kid, you forgot this. And the judge tosses him his AR-15 as he gets acquitted. (laughs) So, I mean,
1: you can't see this because it's a podcast, but I almost just spit my drink out. (laughs) But that's like how, unfortunately, it's perceived that he is that much of an opinionated judge. And in reality, from the way it seems, I'm not going to say he's like, well, this is ridiculous. And he's obviously innocent of this. But it's at the point where he's definitely seemed to interject what his personal beliefs are on the case. Yeah. Nonetheless, what I have a problem with, and since we're just talking, I don't mind just talking, right? We've gone on so many different cha- tangents. I don't like a narrative that I see being played too often right now is comparing this self-defense case to the self-defense case of what I would say I think has been quoted, and I think it's pretty much right on, a modern-day lynching of Ahmad. mod. Arbrary, I believe is how his last name is spelt. I, I apologize if I pronounced it wrong, but it seems like this guy was literally jogging through a neighborhood, tracked down by three people with pinned up by like two pickup trucks chasing him down and like
0: literally just assassinated. That's Hor- what it seems. Horrific. horrific. Or it's horrific it, what they did. You cannot you know, compare least, that. With
1: the- no, you know. that's the problem, Brent. Yeah. The media, I've read almost a half dozen articles probably that have compared these two cases of self-defense and they're worried about riots up in kenosha wisconsin i'd be more worried about riots down in this case because to me this case is truly it doesn't seem like there's any valid justification for this loss but to claim
0: self-defense are you familiar at all with um daniel shaver so there was a and i hesitate to call a police shooting of daniel shaver it was a police murder of daniel shaver the police officer actually was acquitted of his murder charge. And um, for all those people listening on this podcast right now, Google Daniel Shaver, S-H-A-V-E-R. Watch that video. Hey, John, you can watch that video after our conversation. Um, Why? Am I no longer on screen right now? Yeah, I don't see you on the screen right now. But, um, (laughs) but, Uh, but, But I will ask you to Google Daniel Shaver, watch that video. I challenge anyone to watch that video. I will tell you right now, that was a murder. That was a murder that took place. Probably one of the most horrific things I've ever seen on the internet. Right. I love you. It's a picture of a white
1: guy. We can't compare the two right now because I'm gonna I don't read know
0: it. if actually I don't know what race standard labor was. Oh, I'm just also- I-
1: yeah. I Googled it and all I saw was pictures of this white guy. And I read about police yeah. in Arizona. So I'm going to read the whole thing. now. If watch it's the about, video.
0: It's, it's horrific.
1: Hold on. How do you not know if he's a white guy or a black guy if you watch the video? Because
0: you couldn't see his face in the video. I, mean, okay. I wasn't sure if he was like a Hispanic. I didn't know what he was. But the None point the is, he was given very difficult instructions by the police officer where the guy was getting <laughs> confused. The police officer was like, put your hands behind your neck or your head cross your left foot over your right foot and he was like getting confused and then he's like all right now get up and crawl towards me and he started crawling he's like no stop you're doing it wrong and he's like and the guy's sobbing like I ah, you know and the police officer said if you don't listen to my instructions um, the next time I'm going to shoot you he's like please don't shoot me please don't shoot me and the guy was like terrified you could tell he was terrified and then a second later the police officer shot him five I times think,
1: okay so now no offense again brother we were talking about the three white guys who are on trial right now for killing that guy. I think I actually recall that I heard that story and the sister has this big movement going to try to bring
0: more notice to this action. I was he developmentally disabled? I do not know enough about him. I know he was um, a pest control guy and he had a... um, I don't know if it was a BB gun or some kind of pellet gun with him. And someone called the police because they claimed that he was pointing a gun outside, you know, putting a gun like out his window. He was in a hotel. So the police showed up at the hotel. Uh, he was with his, I think, his girlfriend. And again, you know, this is a guy who was just getting confused by the instructions that the police officer was giving him. But anyway, we're going off another tangent. So, all right. Um, so, yeah. so, okay. So, brief again. We're talking about our backgrounds,
1: why not? So for a, for a stint, I did the New York City Police Department Police Academy. I joined July 2nd, 2001, and then with the events of 9-11, then I got activated from my military unit in December. I never got to graduate the academy. We were never taught any tactics where you have people crawling on the ground like that. Like If, you, if you're worried about them having a weapon, you give them, them very simple verbal commands. Lay down on the ground with your belly on the ground. Put your hands out to the side, like very simple things until and then at the end, like you have them cross. I think it was like a, the tactic was like have them cross their feet after their hands are crossed and then you can control them just by, you know, simple pressure where you don't have to worry about literally injuring or possibly killing people to the point where, unfortunately, you know, there's a loss of life or there's permanent injury. There are situations like this that everyone that I think that you and I may ever talk about someone has had bad discretion and maybe multiple people have had a bad discretion. And I think a lot of these- Of course, in every profession. In every profession. National riots that we've been seeing yeah. have been stemmed from situations where one or multiple people have had bad discretion. Unfortunately, I think that You and I had talked about it earlier. Maybe it was even earlier in this podcast or earlier today on the phone. But every case in a court should be looked at individually. And I don't like a narrative from the media tying two self-defense cases together where it's a situation of white defendants with a Black victim on one side and three rioters who were shot for what was affiliated with movements of the Black Lives Matter movement in that same area earlier. And again, I'm hoping that Black Lives Matter doesn't support riots and vandalism and attempted anarchy. I hope that there's more of a powerful movement through open discussion where people can at least understand differences and can understand different points of view, different upbringings different experiences in life. That's one thing I loved about the military. One thing I loved about the short time that I did have with the NYPD. One thing I just loved about traveling the world and seeing the places that I was able to see is understanding different people and where they come from. And I'd love to do more of that in the future, of course, with my family. But at least now, I think, where we're at in a point in time as humanity, I think it's more, it should be more about trying to figure out what we can do as a collective for the betterment instead of, you know, sometimes I think that we have bad narratives. And I think some individuals have bad narratives. What were the narratives of the night of Kenosha, Wisconsin? Let's get back to that. You want to talk about that well, again? I,
0: I want to, I mean, again, we're talking November 16th right now. It's Tuesday. I firmly believe that by the time this comes out, there will have been massive riots in Kenosha again. And that's going to be kind of the, I think it's actually, it's not going to just be Kenosha. I think there's going to be riots all across this country. Um, I don't believe it. This next week.
1: I don't think so. Here's the reason why, because I think now if there's a mistrial, which there was an attempt down on the Ahmad Arbery case, but thank goodness the judge was like, this is disgraceful what you're even attempting right now, because the mother's crying about what we're presenting as evidence. You're going to try to have a mistrial. I think that the judge did a good job down there. But I think if you get a verdict of not guilty down there. Again, I don't approve of it, but I would say that that's much more likely. And I would say that I could even figure a reason why people would be so upset that they would feel that that's the only resort that they have. I think with Kyle Rittenhouse, it's funny how many times I've read that name, uh, how many times I may have heard it, but I think he's going to get off on self-defense.
0: Yeah.
1: What's 17-year-old without paramilitary training? And hey, if your dad's there, why isn't your dad there with you? If that's what you were going there for, and that's why I had a problem with Tucker Carlson. Like, you can't give the dad validation and justification if dad's not there with you, because no offense, if it was happening in my city, and you and I had this discussion, if it happened here, would it really take place where we would even have to worry about law and order?
0: No, because the Putnam County Sheriff's Department and the Carmel Police, they would not allow a riot to happen, plain and simple. The police failed in Kenosha. Here's a question,
1: though. How many people are there? Between those two departments, full force.
0: That's a good question. So the governor also failed because there
1: might be thirty-five, maybe forty. Carmel, we'll say that there's maybe a hundred, but that includes maybe the cell um, for doing your uh, what's the prisoner. The prison guard detail, maybe yeah. more than the sheriff. You have 10,000 people organized and ready to cause havoc. What are your 100 people going to do? Nothing. But you know what other people are going to do? There may be a lot of people here in this town
0: themselves. Correct. That would take up their arms. I would not. This is their town. I would be afraid. To be a rioter in Putnam County, because I think if you're a rider in Putnam County, you're going to be put down pretty damn quickly.
1: You know, I believe that the beauty that we have here in this area is yeah. if you're a protester, yeah. you will be given the courtesy of protection at your organized events. You
0: can even you- hold a loft, an ACAB sign in front of the courthouse and <laughs> members of the sheriff's department would actually be at that same protest.
1: You know, it's tough, though. That's a poor narrative of a full movement, because I believe that's just select individuals. I believe, again, the supermajority would say it's an ignorant statement for that acronym, which I didn't even know what it stood for. But in reality, what I believe, again, is that the appropriate way that we need to address this is with policing done in the right manner. Community policing, where we work together as a group of humans who have a collective goal for the betterment of the area that we're working in or live in. And if we can do that together, where we try to encourage each other's growth instead of maybe using each other as stepping stones, I don't know what it is, I think we'll be better off. But right now, I think as the narrative goes, yeah, it's tough. Right now we still have a lot of divide that exists between us. Yeah, one day at a time, we're going to get through it. I hope that there's no riots. I hope that we don't see a huge divide because this 17 year old who's now 18 years old is, I think I, I prediction he's acquitted, of all charges because the number one that he I, I mean, I don't know, looking at video, listening to what I've heard on the evidence that was presented, listening to the judge. Reading the articles, it's really tough to portray that he was the perpetrator, that he was the aggressor.
0: All I have to say, John, is throughout all this, I look back fondly to the 1990s, where our biggest controversy was everybody was outraged over a blowjob. If you go back to
1: the 1990s, you had a lot more outrage than that.
0: That was the big controversy in the news. It was a blowjob
1: you know, with Bill Clinton. April 20-something, 1992, there was a riot on the street. Tell me where Correct. we were. Correct.
0: Yes, 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 yes. I, I apologize about That's a big oversight. That was uh, Rodney King riots in, in yeah. California. This is
1: yeah. something that we have perpetuated here. It's something that goes on like I watch. But the 90s YouTube. were relatively
0: calm. It was a relatively it's calm decade.
1: You know what? You're right. Because if you think about it, the yes. 90s was the beginning of PCU, where everything became politically correct university. And that was kind of where we were like walking on eggshells. But at the same time, we wanted to let our voice be known for letting our voice be known. Now we have this completely different, I think, approach where now the word woke and wokeness has now been canceled. Now I believe it's being presented as a, it's a problem with the Republicans' presentation of wokeness.
0: But- (laughs) Why are you laughing at? I'm laughing because it's interesting that you're following the the current definition and current thought of what? that word. It was, AOC, it was AOC. It was AOC who basically said you're no longer allowed to say woke anymore. Well, yeah, and you know
1: what? I, so it's kind of like it's kind of like right now if I was talking to my kids and I was like, I'm trying to think of something from possibly you know 10 years ago where the kids are going to be like, Oh my gosh, Dad, are you ridiculous? Are you out of your mind? Like. If I was like, hey, guys, I just learned this new dance called The Floss, right? Again, it's November 16th, 2021. That dance has been out for probably nine years already. It's the equivalent of that. But Brett, in reality, I never heard of Woke 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, this? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Maybe three years ago, I started hearing it. And then I was like, okay, what is this woke? Like at first it was like, holy cow, this movement is actually a good movement. Like I was okay because to me, woke started probably with me too. And I thought, hey, I had a strong mother, three sisters. I got two daughters. I got an amazingly strong wife. And I believe that any woman who's been in a position of something where they felt compromised because of their gender, I think that they should have their voices heard. And that, I think, was when it first started to become woke. Like Kevin Spacey, he's canceled out because he did some things that was, you know, awkward, too. And and you had all these other different stars. And I apologize, Kevin Spacey, if you're listening, that I individually, you know, put your name out. <laughs> like, James Falco. But, you know, again, some of these guys have
0: done some strange things. Like James Falco, it sounds like he did some
1: weird stuff to some people.
0: James Falco, I think, um, no, it's, uh, it's um, Franco. Yeah, thank you. You know yeah. exactly
1: what I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: yeah, not yeah, yeah. Right? yeah.
1: Okay. Nonetheless, maybe they're not all bad. People can always change, but I of think course. that people make really bad decisions. Of course. Let's get back to what we were
0: talking about. <laughs> yep. Rittenhouse. And? Um, I don't know. What else we're gonna... oh, We were talking about woke. So it was like probably oh, yeah, like three yeah. years <laughs> ago. Wow, that
1: was, <laughs> that was tough. So that's when I first heard it. And then I started following it. What got me to turn on woke was when I think it was the the head of the editorial section of the New York Times lost her position because like 12 people went online and
0: started saying things like she should be canceled. Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss. She lost her job. Thank um, you. from the New York Times. She's actually a fantastic. She's on Substack right now. And Substack, it's a great website. It's basically... People who've been canceled, writers who've been canceled, have gone to Substack and have a following. And they've actually really been able to sustain their career and let their career thrive with just subscribers who will follow what they write.
1: This is where we need more of an open platform. Like this is... So I agree. I think that it's ridiculous that people have their... No offense. Right now, we're talking about Blossom, right? I think that was a month ago. Blossom, the cancel culture. The woke culture tried to have Blossom canceled from being the Jeopardy host because I, I, because for decades she's been very, I believe, holistic and against vaccines. So oh, are you kidding? So they they wouldn't let her be a Jeopardy Red. host because of that. So that's just it. Is like I, I had. We'll talk about vaccines now.
0: Why not? So actually, I, to, I will tell you, John. I, I, I think if there's one topic other than race where I've had people call me up because they're I, Totally offended by what we discussed is vaccines. You know,
1: I remember sitting down with this guy who I (laughs) admire. I look as a mentor. I'm going to give you a little story. Here's a literal interjection of a story. He gave me the opportunity to go with him to an establishment where it was one of the coolest places I've ever been to. I actually got to sit down with the vice president of marketing for this establishment in the center, in his mecca of his world. And I got to listen to him. Now, I got to talk with him as well. And this mentor of mine at the end of this meeting told me, John, every time we were getting to something that was really important, you just interjected and you would not, like, you wouldn't let the guy just finish. My point was with that. Right now, my point I is would... you won't let me finish.
0: <laughs> yes, Yes. That's okay. All right. <laughs>
1: By the way, Brett, you were that mentor. I hope you realize that. It looked like you were saluting in the air with your arms up victoriously. (laughs) All right. Where were we? I apologize, my friend. But woke. Oh, (laughs) okay. So no. So so here's the thing. We don't get the information. I want to hear from these editors about all this information that's out there. I don't want people to get canceled. I don't want movements to cancel out opinions i don't believe that that's what we're here for i'm good with movements canceling out horribly racist and opinions that are based on fiction and and things that are actually dividing but at the same time i don't think that we should be canceling out because i don't agree with what you're saying to me that's our first amendment that's
0: Yeah, the that's issue. the problem where do you draw the line there's some things that offend you then the certain things that you might believe that other people are offended by? And then where do we draw the line? That's the hard part, right? And you kind of look at like,
1: okay, I'm
0: going to relate this now
1: to our media and what we have with a problem in this country for gun-related mass casualty incidents. Gun-related incidents we have a massive issue with, but that's not really what's being reported in the media. What reports in the media is mass casualty incidents with gun violence. That's what gets reported. And it's something that is unfortunate because you get a lot of glorification in the eyes of people with serious mental disorders to give them the idea that they're going to get all this recognition and all this media attention if they do crazy things. It's, it's horrendous. Now, where uh, do we draw the line, though, uh, because the media, should they give the news about who
0: this person is and what their background is? So it's interesting you ask that question. With our newspapers, sometimes we're actually between a rock and a hard place with people are like, you know, why do not you report this? You know, sometimes we actually don't report things out of ethics. So we actually do not report about suicides except if the family of the person who committed suicide wants to let it be known that their family member committed suicide because maybe they're raising money for a GoFundMe for a charity, whatever, about suicide awareness. And in that instance, you know, where the family's okay with us publishing something, we will do that. If someone who is a local... Did you ever have an
1: issue with that previously with anyone who unfortunately passed that way?
0: No, 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 because we've always been very careful. And then another um, example where we wouldn't, hide the information. If someone was a local leader, the head of a church, the head of a school, the head of a town, you know, God forbid they committed suicide. We you can't bury that information. But if it was just some random resident that is not in the news other than the fact that the person died, we would not report about the suicide unless the family wanted it published. That's fair.
1: I think it's nice when you have those guidelines, but there's no set standard. Again, it's kind of what do you report? I'm sure, again, back to the issues of, I think, the mass media, not so much your avenue of media. I think your avenue of media, no offense, you got <laughs> really tiptoe around things because in the end, you want to keep good relations and you want to be able to continue to maintain a good publication that exists that glorifies the area that you represent in your publication
0: as a community paper we have two different jobs we are both journalists and we're community cheerleaders community cheerleaders you are and it's a yeah. good thing
1: yeah it is because i think that that's the beauty like i remember i think we talked about this previously when i had uh breakfast with um passed away recently head of fox business roger rails Oh, yeah, yeah. And he had just purchased the Courier at that point. So this was many, many years ago, probably 15 years ago. Yeah. And I had asked him, like, you know, you see all these different publications, nationwide publications around for 100 years plus going out of business what makes you purchase this? And he said, the only thing that will continue to exist for print media after this is going to be local media, hyper local print media.
0: He was absolutely right. This is Roger Ailes you're talking about. And I will say, I'm kicking myself to this day. Roger Ailes invited me, my dad. My dad was working closely with me at the time with Mayapac News. And uh, Roger Ailes, I think, was not a fan of Mayapac News. He did some things in the courier to kind of you know, jab me a little bit, just psychologically speaking. But here's the thing. What you should look at that
1: with, I apologize again. Now, I just interrupted you.
0: Go that's all right. That's all right. I was going to say, he invited me to his office in Manhattan. I have to say, I'm a huge fan of Fox News. And um, I was very excited to meet him. May five days before I was supposed to meet him, I came down with the flu. And I was like sick as a dog for days and days and days. And maybe like the day before I was supposed to go meet him... I was like just starting to feel slightly better. But like psychologically speaking, I was like really just like off my game. And I was terrified to meet him. I was terrified. So I canceled the meeting. And to this day, um, I'm like kicking myself. I will tell you. So I was very
1: fortunate. This was a I think it was the it was a chamber of commerce breakfast, maybe Putnam County EDC breakfast. Maybe that's what it was. Okay. But I was fortunate enough. I actually got to sit right next to him at the table for the breakfast. Awesome. So we got to, you know, just have casual conversation the whole time and then talk about business when it was like time to talk about business. Yeah, And it was really interesting to sit there to have his attention. I didn't realize who he was at the time. You know, I was, again, it was probably 15 years ago.
0: Was this the meeting where he, um, there was some meeting less than 15 years ago where he and um, the owner of Putnam County Press got into like a heated argument with each other?
1: Oh, I didn't witness that, uh, so it might not have been that meeting. But isn't that gentleman quite experienced in his life? Like, isn't it... The, is he old? Yeah, I don't want to be you know, an <laughs> ageist, but I think he's seriously old. I think five years ago I saw him and he was...
0: I've had only one... Co- I've had two conversations with him. The second conversation that I had with him, it was the only time I ever saw him face-to-face. And he said... He asked me how business was going. I said, all right, you know, business is fine. He goes, one thing you're going to learn about this community, nobody pays their bills. That was the only thing I've,
1: like, that was the only conversation I ever had with him. Oh, my goodness. I apologize. I want you to know my experience is that (laughs) the super majority of my clients pay their bills. There are people who don't pay their bills. I don't think it matters where you go. That is hysterical. Yes, that's very, very funny. That's the first thing he tells you. Yes. Um, Nonetheless, no, I think he's a nice, I think he's a nice gentleman from what I remember meeting him from everyone that I believe I've met in the press industry. They're very nice people. And I think the reason why is because at the beginning, they all have to get articles. And in order to get articles, you have to talk to people and you have to really be a nice person to talk to them and get them to open up usually. Sometimes when you get more experienced, you can be a little bit more direct and thorough in what your questioning is. But I believe at heart, everyone in media is a good salesperson because they have to get the story.
0: I think you're absolutely right. You know, who's also a really good guy, I would definitely consider him, you know, a good friend. I mean, he and I probably chit chat like once a week is Doug Cunningham the owner of the Courier and uh, Putnam County News and Recorder. and I'm glad uh, to know that you guys talk that often. Like he is... Yeah, we chit-chat like at least maybe once every week or two. We chit-chat just about business, how it's going. And we're both pretty honest with one another. You know, you have to be a little careful what you say to your competitor. But, you know... it's you just want to be like, Hey, man, I just landed this huge client. He's been amazing. Stay away from him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But no, it's good to sometimes just kind of meet with uh, peers in a sense. I think it's always good to be able to bounce
1: ideas off of peer groups and have information fed, especially on things that are new in the industry. One thing I love about certain parts of the industries that I work within is that I'm constantly fed with information. And I, I always tell my kids and I always tell you know um, people who I work with, let's just We'll be able to look it up. We can always get the information. The beauty of the day and age that we're in is all the information that we need. It's there.
0: So, what's so your opinion? We're gonna stray further, um, <laughs> and, th- and then we're gonna wrap this up. <laughs> um, we're to, I just want to stray further. What's your opinion about all the inflation going on in the economy right now, and the, the economy in general? I'm curious to know for all the information that's at the, your fingertips, but yet, you know, you are a follower, given what you do for a living, you know, on the economy and money finances. So I'm curious, you know, what your thoughts are about what's going on with the economy.
1: So, okay. I will say the last time, do you remember the date the last time we spoke?
0: Last time we spoke?
1: Not spoke. I'm sorry. The last time that we were together on the webcast, because you had oh, asked me at uh, that. It might've been like two, you months, had, two months ago, two, three two months, months ago? Ago. maybe Maybe yeah, two months, maybe more. Yeah. Um, you had asked me about what I thought about the economy at the time. And I said, look, right now, the concern that I have is what I see when I go grocery shopping, when I pay for food outside my house, when I fill up my gas tank, when I fill up my propane, when I fill up my oil. And now I'm starting to notice in all my goods. I'm starting to notice in everything. These numbers, what our government originally told us was going to be transitory. To me, transitory means, you know, one month, two months, three months. Now, this last month, October, we just hit our highest. Inflation in 31 years. So that is really concerning to me. Now, the answer to inflation on the present government's point is print trillions more to spend. And here's the problem I think I have with this part it seems that I want to break up a lot of our highway systems, break up a lot of our systems of transportation that have been put in place to completely rebuild them in different manners. Because we feel that part of our injustice has been segregation of communities by the infrastructure system. Do you believe that? You know what? I have a lot of friends and clients and family that I remember going to and being in different parts of the city. And I can absolutely see divides of communities. But I don't know so much. Again, we talked about if it's are, a are racial divide.
0: Are communities, is it so much planned? Or is this sort of like, is this a racial thing? Or is this a class thing?
1: No, that's just that I talked about it last time. I think that we have more of an economic yeah. inequality issue that exists in our policy now. I think we still have a racial inequality issue in individuals' minds. Mm -hmm. But as a policy issue, I believe that we have a very big economic inequality issue. And I believe that, yes, part of the planning was 100% dividing communities based on economic abilities. And I think that people want that to continue. I don't think people want to go and spend money to destroy highway systems, rebuild highway systems, how long is this going to take? None of it's even seemed to take into account the ever-increasing cost of the basic commodity of petroleum in order to make highways with asphalt. And, and, like, There are so many concerns that I have right now for the policies that we have and for the cost that we're going to occur. I remember as we went through COVID, We talked about the increased savings that Americans were displaying. And it was a great thing because we thought, oh, this is really what we wanted. But now, when we have this issue with supply and demand at the same time, I just heard a report that savings rates are back to where they were before COVID. So all of the savings are gone. So now we don't have the same savings. We have higher costs for the same things that we were looking for. We have these jobs that still exist. I read a report of 4% Four percent of people at lower than like fifty thousand dollar salaries. Four percent quit their jobs last year because of cryptocurrency independence. That's wow! That's
0: crazy. That was a report last week in crypto. I'm uh, kicking myself that I was going to get into crypto. Like I think when I was at like seven hundred or something like that. My parents urged me not to, and the other day I gave them such hell for their advice. Now he okay. Number one. Yeah. Never blame someone else for your own
1: decisions. <laughs> okay, you you're can right. tell people <laughs> that your advice a right right? Yeah. And I've been taking advice all my life. Yeah, And I've been trying to listen to what other people have been telling me because they're supposed to be the experts in their fields. But at the same time, I just sat and had lunch with this kid. When I say kid, 28 years old, his background was in nothing. He wanted to do things. He wanted to find ways to make money. And what he found this year just this year, Brett, he found cryptocurrency and he found NFTs. And his portfolio was like 1.5 million right now. Mm -hmm. He had nothing saved other than knowing what the trends were and getting in. And he just started it this year, a 28-year-old kid. Now, here's the thing that I see. I see if you have enough of an insight, you have enough information.
0: So trust your gut. Trust your gut. Make educated guesses, obviously.
1: I wouldn't even say guesses. Like in crypto, I believe, and probably in NFTs, a lot of it's going to be roll of the dice. But at the same time, man, I just got an email from Toys R Us this past week. And in fact, I got it when I was sitting there for lunch with this kid. And when I told him, dude, I just got an email from Toys R Us for this, your first Toys R Us NFT. He said, John, you got to send that to me. I got to put it out. He's got 25,000 followers. Mm -hmm. He literally has... Hollywood celebrities following him. No, and NFT.
0: Sorry, I apologize. NFT, explain. Non-fungible tokens. Non-fungible token means it's like
1: modern current day trading card. Okay. It can't be duplicated. But the beauty is, unlike what I had for what would be like a, I think probably thousands and thousands of dollars worth of cards. Like I had a Mark McGuire Olympic baseball team card from like 1984, right? And Don Mattingly rookie card. I put push pins in them on my door to put them up there. Like I abused these things. I didn't think what they would be worth. These non-fungible tokens, modern day, you don't have to worry about it. So this kid's made money off of it. And you know what? There's a lot of people who are making money off of it. But at the
0: same time- well, So tell me about Toys R Us. So
1: Toys R Us comes out and they said, get our first non-fungible token. Yeah. The first one I heard about- so it I
0: thought was- Toys R Us went bankrupt.
1: They're back in business now? Oh yeah, they're back in business now. They got refunded. It's funny, man. So you know my son. My son, and, and here's a personal side, he's got brain damage from epilepsy. He has very poor cognitive memory skills, intellectual disabilities, autism. Maybe. He's got all these things against him. You know, you know him personally. He's got a heart of gold. He's one of the most amazing he's
0: people. He's a wonderful from, kid. I love him.
1: He is like one of the greatest inspirations. I tell him every day. He's a blessing to me. He... Came home one day, because I drive to school in the morning. It's like 15, 20 minutes. He heard on Fox Business. He heard them reporting about angel investors who were bringing Toys R Us back. Now, I also listen to Joel Osteen all the time on my radio in the truck. So he told Carly, uh, my wife in the afternoon, he told my wife in the afternoon, he said, Joel Osteen is bringing back Toys R Us and my wife's laughing. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, he equates angels and angel investors that's, with Toys R Us. That's adorable. That's adorable. So yes, yeah. it has been brought back and now they're participating. So here's the thing. I talked to my, this kid. His parents are my friends and his parents are like, this is ridiculous, John. You got to talk to him about what you do and everything and how you do it. And I told him, here's the thing that really differentiates me is I talk to people about their situation and their knowledge and what their understandings are. I have clients who invest in art and I don't know art. I have clients who are musicians and I don't know music. I have clients who, who do this non-fungible tokens. I don't know enough about it, but what I do know is I know when they have a niche in their industry and they know what they're capable of. And I will say cryptocurrency does not seem to be anything that's going away. I get information on a daily basis. And this isn't from, here's the thing though, this isn't from my industry. This isn't coming from the accounting industry. It's not coming from the securities industry. Where this is coming from is this is coming from just different publications that I'll read, different sites that I'll go to, different articles. Interesting, interesting cryptocurrency is being accepted left and right my last atm that i went to wanted to know if i wanted to take out bitcoin so wow i don't see this as anything that's going away in fact it seems like more and more things are starting to evolve to a place where now our government even says hey we know that it's here we need to regulate it luckily we have you know senator ted cruz who says we don't even know how to explain it never mind regulate it you know it's like you pardon me but what's an nft how are they going to start regulating this well That's where I think we live our lives. Everything that we do really does come down to a lot of control by our government. And right now, our government says the best answer that we can have for the solutions for the problems we have right now is more government. We need more people to be here in the government or provided for by the government. We're going to give you money to do your job as construction workers for the government. We're going to give you information technology specialist money as the government to do these jobs for us as the government. I think right now, that's the thing. We even have governments that are saying we're going to give basic income. We talked about this as well. Now there are more places talking about we're going to give. I think I just read, maybe it was Massachusetts, Boston. I hate doing it where I don't have the facts in front of me, but I believe that they just said if you come out of jail, we're going to give you like $1,000 a month for 12 months. Just Let me so ask you a question.
0: What's your prediction on how people are going to react at the end of the year when they can no longer claim a tax refund? because they got all their credits ahead of time from the child tax credit.
1: Okay. My prediction, if it's anything like this past year has been in regards to claiming the recovery rebate credit or rebate recovery credit, the RRC, it has been the biggest nightmare already just trying to do that because I got a bunch of people. In fact, I just sat with one yesterday. I didn't receive my $1,200 check. I know client, that's what we put on your tax return. We claimed it and the government's saying, you don't get that money. Here, Try to call up this trace number for the payment trace. Now I've read articles. Again, this isn't from the no. This one may have come from the industry. The answer rate is anywhere between nine to seven percent for this uh, payment trace line. I've had clients who have tried to get in touch with the taxpayer advocates. I have some clients who have gotten their refunds, and I have some clients who are still waiting. It's crazy to think that our government now says the real answer is we're going to do more regulations. We're going to try to get more things put out there. Have you ever
0: witnessed? this type of just uh, ineptitude i know you got to be careful because you deal with the irs when i say ineptitude just red tape bureaucracy where it's difficult to reach anybody and yes yeah eight years sitting on a town board yeah absolutely
1: okay. <laughs> i think that all of our government kind of ridiculous in fact i who was i talking to oh i live on a private road and I have a person who is taking over trying to maintain everything. They call me up and they say, Hey, do you mind chipping in for it? Okay, that's fine. But what I'd really like to do is I'd like to see if we get a road maintenance agreement. So I say, you know, here's the tough part, though. The tough part is, and she was glad that I talked about it because she had, you know, talked about it as well with other people. I say, the tough part is, is you're talking about it's going to come through attorneys and no offense if you or your partner are attorneys. And she's like, no, funny enough, we both teach law. We're professors of law down the road. Interesting. Um, like, I totally get it. That's what it is between attorneys, between municipalities. And I love all my friends that are attorneys, but they all seem to agree that part of the job of attorneys is to continue to create revenue for themselves through cyclical legislation. So attorneys become elected officials, become the higher elected officials. A lot of attorneys get involved in politics because a lot of it has to do with
0: legislation. With creating laws. Absolutely. And then they need to be litigated. And then, yeah.
1: And so a lot of it comes down to attorneys. And yeah. unfortunately, a lot of attorneys will find ways to prolong things, I believe, or not even attorneys, but I think the judicial system itself, personally, two years into the judicial system on something that I personally have as a plaintiff, not as a defendant. So I'm, you know, just want to have a disclaimer there. It's just a slow system because it's an overloaded system. You know, hey man, you want to, we got to wrap it up. But I was about to go into a tangent about going into immigration and what the real problem is, is that we don't have a fair system We're getting people in here in a timely manner. We could talk about that another time if you'd like.
0: Absolutely. John, <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you go to bed. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to wrap like, this up. And uh, all
1: you really wanted to talk about tonight was Kyle Rittenhouse.
0: No, you know what? I'm glad that we went in all different directions. I think that's the beauty of our conversation. You know, we're pretty good at just going all over the place. So, uh, you know, I appreciate your time, John, tonight. And I will apologize for anyone that I've offended. I will expect, <laughs> same, same for
1: me. Same for reach me. out to Brett and let him know. and give him, <laughs> give him contact information only so that I can reach out to you. Because if I offended you, I want to at least explain to you in a manner that I hope doesn't offend you. What my thoughts were, and maybe you can open my eyes to something that I didn't see before. So please, if you're offended, unless it's for something that I think is ridiculous, and then I'll let you know I think it's ridiculous because there are people who are just offended to be offended.
0: I love it, John. Thank you very much. Have a good. <laughs> All right, Brett. <Brad. laughs> it's a pleasure, and I always appreciate
1: it. Send my love to everybody over at your house, and I can't wait to see you guys again. Same to you and your family. Thanks, man. All, All right, right, bye.